go church come on let's worship together Yeah. 
as I'm breathing, oh yes I'm breathing, I'll bless the Lord. As long as I'm breathing, oh yes I'm breathing, I'll bless the Lord. Come on. Oh, say I will, I will bless the Lord at all.
faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart burn when you speak, a word will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness.
put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. How many of you know Jesus can be an anchor in just a moment? Man, you know, if there's one thing I know that the, the devil does as a tactic is he's always out to diminish the power and the miraculous power of the Lord in every situation. Maybe even you yourself at some point in time, you've heard of God doing something absolutely insane, miraculous, and you thought in your mind, I don't really know about that one. Like, ah, that seems a little bit far-fetched. Can I tell you, that's the tactic of the enemy to always get you think that impossible situations are even out of God's hands. And I've read in John chapter 9 today where Jesus, he heals a blind man who is blind from birth, the word says. And uh, the religious leaders of the day, they hear about it, they got a problem with it. Because of the way that Jesus healed them and how he healed them, they don't like it. And so what they do is they call this man in to account for the healing that happens in his body. And how many of you know that the word says that we're overcomers by blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony? And so this guy stands before the Pharisees and they say, listen, now's your chance. Tell us the real truth. Is this Jesus guy a sinner? Is he a bad person or what? The blind man says these words. He says, I don't really know who he is. All I know is that I was blind, but now, oh, now I see. Come on, is there anybody in here who you can remember back where you were lost, but now you're found? Oh, come on. Is anybody remembering back that you were sick, but now you're healed? Come on, one more time. Can you declare with me one more time? Great is your faithfulness. Our staff want to pray over your need and our elders 
We believe that God can do the miraculous in your life if you'll just open the door for him to do so. And then in a moment, I'm going to pray. They're going to sing. And I want you to invite you, if you've got a need in the house today, to come down, join with someone down here on our prayer team, and let's pray believing God can intervene on your behalf today. If you have a need, would you lift your hand today? Lord, all over the house, there's people with their hands raised. Lord, even in their own home today, there's people with their hands raised. Lord, I pray in a a moment, God, as as we begin to worship, Lord, that people would come down and they would just grab the hands of somebody and by faith, God, declare that you will enter into their situation. By faith, God, declare that you will heal. By faith, God, you will restore their marriage. And Lord, we give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all that you're going to do by faith, God. And we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you come today?
and nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you and nothing else, and nothing else, nothing else will do. like three people say you look good today you look good today you look good come on you can be seated always good to get a little bit of a compliment early in the morning uh man i am so excited that you chose to be at go church today for one of our gatherings what an incredible place we're right uh in the middle we're nine days in on 21 days of prayer and fasting how many of you have just loved what god's been doing in the house come on been awesome. We've had prayer every single morning. We're right in the middle of an incredible series from Pastor Getting the Game. And so I want to take a moment just to say thank you to all of our guests that may be in the house today. Could you give it up for our VIPs? Come on, let them know you love them. I'm telling you, if you chose to be here, you picked one of the best places you could be on a Sunday. And we're honored to have you. In fact, I'm going to ask you to do something for me at any point in time in the gathering. You can scan that same QR code on the seat back or click the link. And you can fill out one of our digital uh, VIP forms. We'd love to know a little bit about you, where you're from, uh, how you ended up at Go. And then if you're in-house, if you drop by our VIP experience in the lobby, we've got a free gift we want to give you. Just say thanks for coming out and being a part of today's gathering. So, man, we've got an incredible word happening today. Help me create a distraction-free environment a little bit, if you don't mind. By doing uh, two things. First, if you've got your phone with you, just make sure that's on silent or maybe airplane mode to stop the distractions a little bit. And then, hey, if your kids are in the house today, I want you to know... Uh, as a parent, I, I got kids that are restless. In fact, that's pretty much 24 hours a day. My three kids, three and under, are restless. 
and uh, that, that gets that gets a little out of hand sometimes and kind of hard to deal with. But I want you to know we've got an awesome, I mean awesome, Go Kids ministry just down the hall. And maybe you want to check your kids in there at any point in time in the gathering. Just drop by our Next Steps counter. They'll walk you down there. It's safe. It's clean. It's a lot of fun. Our kids love it. Uh, and I know your kids will too. But this is a really generous church. And in a moment, you're going to hear a little bit about that. But I want uh, a little bit of help from you right now. If you're on this end of the row, on the left end, I want you to reach under your seat. There's a small black bucket there. Uh, and in a moment, when the video plays, you can pass that from one end to the other. And our team will collect that. If you'd like to give in person today, that option's for you. But how about you turn your attention to your screens to see what it means to be generous at Go Church? Hi, Go Church. My name's Chad Whittle, and I just want to take a moment to share with you how we're leaving a legacy here at Go Church. On December 10, 2021, an EF4 tornado ripped through the small town of Mayfield, Kentucky. We were able to connect with the lead pastor at Mayfield Church of God, Robert Davis. Pastor Robert has 40 years of experience as a pastor and for the past two years took a sabbatical. July 2020, Pastor Robert felt the Lord calling him to pastor at the Mayfield Church of God. Because of your generosity, we were able to hand Mayfield Church of God a $10,000 check. Your generosity is being felt in this small town, and I just want to say thank you. I want you to hear a contagious spirit of Pastor Robert. Hello, I'm Robert Davis from the Mayfield Church of God. Uh, as you pretty well know, we've been through a devastating tornado in this town, uh, toward basically the majority of the town. We are doing a relief effort out of the church. Uh, needless to say, there's been a great outpouring of generosity of uh, uh, monetary value because this is what serving God's about, being a servant of the people and helping the people and uh, opening hearts and lives where we can minister to them. Uh, God's got a plan, so we're just going to keep on working the plan. And when all is said and done, we'll look back and give Him the glory as always. And uh, I want to thank everybody from the church for you know sending the financial donations. There's people that uh, need places to stay, hotels and stuff that they can't afford. So this will all be a big help to build back. And, uh, we're going to invest in everybody we're going to invest in. And, and by you sending donations, that's going to be an investment of you into the souls of these people. Everybody we touch is just important because you're responsible for it as well. So we thank you from the bottom of our heart. May God bless you. May his hand be upon you and guide you in all things. Thank you. Whether you're giving through investing your time or partnering with us financially, thank you. There are several ways that you can give, whether in person, online, or even by text. You can find those options on the screen at mygochurch.com. Thank you and go church. Hey, go church. I'm glad you've joined us today. As we mentioned a moment ago, if you're new, you're what we call a VIP and we'd love to meet you. Let us know you visited today by scanning the next steps QR code, or if you're online, click the link. Now let's see what's coming up at go church. Groups are a pretty big deal at go church. They give people the opportunity to develop lasting relationships and go deeper in their faith walk alongside other Goge Church members. The spring semester of groups will be here soon and we're excited to train and equip group leaders. If you're passionate about helping people find community and grow closer to Christ, then you might just have what it takes to be an awesome group leader. Our next training session is coming up on Sunday, January 23rd. Head to the Go Church app or mygochurch.com to sign up and find out how you can lead a group this semester. Do you feel called to pursue ministry? We love equipping individuals to go and make a difference. And one of the ways to do that is through our internship semester. There are opportunities to intern in the areas of worship, production, outreach, communications, and the next-gen ministries. 
This is a fantastic opportunity to grow your knowledge and get real ministry experience under the mentorship of a Go Church staff member. Signups will open up on January 16th. You can find more information at mygochurch.com and on the app. There's always something coming up at Go Church. And to make sure you don't miss any of the great serve opportunities or events for your family, go ahead and download the official Go Church app on your smartphone or tablet. Come on, good morning, Go Church family. How you feel today? You feel good? You look good. Come on now. You look fantastic. I love to see smiling faces here at our South Metro Atlantic campus. And as I look across this auditorium, this is a good-looking group. And what a joy it is, what an honor it is to have you together in person today on the second Sunday of this brand new year. And many of you know this, but this location is our broadcast location. And what that means is from this campus, we live stream the message portion of our gathering. So can we say good morning to everybody online today and to your Germantown, Maryland family in the greater Washington, D.C. area? Come on, put your hands together. Can you hoop and holler just a little bit? Come on, let them hear you. There we go. Love you guys. Germantown clapping back here. I love you. And then, of course, we've got a weekly tradition before we get into the word together where we pause to give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military and all of those courageous first responders. So to those who have served, those who are serving, those that continue to put your life on the line to serve and protect us. I always like to say, may this moment of applause and appreciation be genuine and may it be a great encouragement to you. So we're gonna clap a lot today. We're gonna give Jesus the highest praise, but when it comes to a group of people, that deserve a little bit of honor. I think those brave men and women that put their life on the line, it's for them. So come on, church family, real loud. Come on, here we go. You gotta take your volume up a notch. Come on, let them know you love them. There we go, baby, there it is. Good. At the, at the end of last year, the beginning of this year, God put this uh, particular verse on my heart and I'm declaring it to be the word of the year. Uh, the word of the year for the Worley family, the word of the year for the Go Church family, and I pray that many of you adopt this as the word of the year for your family. And so I want to pray this over you. I'm going to share this with you for the next few weeks here. And this isn't necessarily a, a part of the series that we're doing, but everything that we do comes because of the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. Here's the verse for the year, though. It's Psalm 65, verse number 11. And the scripture says this, you crown the year with a bountiful harvest. And even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. Come on, does anybody receive that today? Come on. As a matter of fact, I prophesied this over your life. That this year, the year of 2022, is going to be the year of God's goodness. And so I prophesied the goodness of God over your family, over your marriage, over your children. I wish I had somebody receive this. Come on now. Over your health, over your finances, over your business, over your money, over your schooling. This isn't some, you know, name it and claim it gospel. This is standing on the promises of God that this year, 2022, is going to be the year of God's goodness. It doesn't mean that everything we go through is going to be good, but it does mean that God is always good. Come on, give me an amen right there. So I declare that over you. 
And we stand on that promise for this house that 2022 is the year of God's goodness. Let me pray for you today, all right? You pray for me, I pray for you. Jesus, thank you for the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. And really, we've been singing this the last few weeks because it's so true that all my life, Lord, you have been faithful. And all my life, Lord, you've been so, so good. And we thank you for the goodness of God, even in the most difficult of seasons, even in the most trying of times, in the most difficult of storms, you are sovereign and you are faithful. And today as we gather together, I pray that this message that you put on my heart to share with your people would bring forth conviction, that it would confront us with where we are in our faith journey, and that we would all be challenged in a greater way to grow deeper in you. So God, anoint those that are listening, anoint me that will be speaking it's not about me being seen. It's about you being seen, the cross of Jesus going before me here. I want, I want you to become greater. I'll become less. I rebuke distraction in the name of Jesus and pray for clarity of thought, focus, and attention for all of us. Draw us into the word of God. Change us from the inside out. And at the end of our gathering today, may every single one of us have a clear next step that we can take in this faith journey. So we give you all of the thanks, we give you all, the, all of the glory, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said amen. Now let's put our hands together. Thank God. Come on, thank Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. There we go. All right, you got to take some notes today, okay? Take out your smartphone, grab a, a message card in the seat near you or in Germantown in that movie theater in the cup holder near you. I'd love for everybody to take notes. This is, this is definitely a, a note-taking church here. We are in the second week of a series that we're doing called Get in the Game. Get in the Game on the count of three. I want everybody to say get in the game. You ready? One, two, three. Get in the game. Get in the game. Now, I told you last Sunday this series is not... It's not a sports series at all. Although, can I just say two words? Go dogs. Come on now. There we go. I felt good right there. I felt good. So, uh, yeah, but this is not a sports series, but we are taking the idea of this thought of getting in the game, and we're applying that in our desire to, to grow deeper in our faith walk, to grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. There, there, there's no athlete uh, that I know of that, that desires to sit on the bench uh, every athlete, they, they train and they're coached and they work out and they study film and they practice their trait so that they can have the opportunity to put it on display. And similarly, as we continue to develop the disciplines, uh, the spiritual disciplines, the faith disciplines, at some point we got to put those in a, from just practicing and get in the game. And so for the next seven weeks total, but the next few weeks here as we finish out the series, we're going to look at this. Last Sunday we talked about the discipline of prayer and what that looks like, developing uh, that, that discipline of prayer. Today we're going to talk about the discipline of fasting and what that, that looks like by way of getting in the game with the spiritual discipline of fasting. Next Sunday I'm going to talk to you about, you know, reading the Bible, uh, the importance of studying the Bible, reading the Bible, meditating on God's Word. The following Sunday, good Lord willing, we'll talk about what it means to share your story the Bible talks about that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So I hope to equip you to share your story, evangelize the gospel. Then we'll look at getting in the game with small groups. I think every person listening to me this morning, you fall into one of two categories. Some of you should be leading a small group because you have that gifting. But all of you should be participating in a small group. 
because God never intended for us to live life alone. That's why we've all struggled with quarantine because that's not how we were created. So I'm encouraging you in this Get in the Game series to get into a small group. We'll look at what the discipline of stewardship and tithing means and getting in the game with that. And then we'll conclude the whole series with serving and using your gifts and using your talents, using your abilities to advance the kingdom of God through the local church. So that's the whole series. And this is the thought. And this is just, this is just profound revelation here. You ready? I shared this with you last week. And although this series is seven weeks long, it'll take us into the month of February, you're going to hear this statement at the introduction of each one of these messages within this conversation, that this year for you and this year for me is not going to be any different from last year unless we make a decision, unless we make a choice. And that choice has to be, we're going to do something different from what I did last year. Can you just say like, oh, that's good. Come on, because that's good. So last year and this year, there will be no difference between the two years unless you decide that I'm going to do some things differently than what I did before. That, the definition of insanity is what? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And so look at somebody near you and say, I think you're absolutely insane. Just go ahead and tell them that. Like, I think you're insane. But the moment that we choose to do something different, now we position ourselves for, for depth and for maturity and for growth. And so we're going to look at seven weeks in this series of what it means to get in the game. And although we've talked about prayer last Sunday, we'll talk about fasting today. I want to continue to encourage you. This is something different you can do right here. We're nine days in to our 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church family. Uh, We pray corporately. We fast privately. Uh, We started on January the 1st. Today is January the 9th. And every morning, Monday through Friday, we're coming in person together at 6 a.m. at both of our campuses for an hour of of worship, devotion, and prayer. And then we've only got, the way that the calendar falls, we only have one more Saturday in these 21 days. This upcoming Saturday, we'll be together at 8.30 a.m. But wherever you are and whatever your schedule is like, I'm just challenging you. Get into the discipline of prayer. Get into the discipline of fasting. And over these three weeks that we cultivate these disciplines, This is how we do different things so that we get different results. Does that make sense? Somebody give me an amen right there. So you can download the Go Church app. There's all kind of exclusive resources there from from our daily Bible reading plan to our daily devotional plan to resources on fasting. Well, we've got hundreds and hundreds of people that are praying together through Deeper 21. We've got a couple hundred people that have joined in the Bible reading plan that we're doing. And so I'm confident that the fruit of that will be supernatural and that God will meet you at the point of your need. Can I get an amen? All right. So you want to do and see different results, you got to do different things. So let's talk about fasting today for a few minutes, the spiritual discipline of fasting. And I promised you last Sunday that I would hold on to the verses and the story found in Matthew chapter 17. And we would talk about that same story, at least we would use that same story to build the introduction around the discipline of fasting. So we looked at it from the context of prayer. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 17 in the context of of, of fasting. And Matthew 17 happens right after what we know as the Mount of Transfiguration, the Mount of Transfiguration. So here Jesus takes three of his 12 disciples and they ascend to the top of an unknown mountain. And now we call it the Mount of Transfiguration. He takes with him... Peter, James, and John. 
And they ascend to the top of the mountain, and there, and this is why it's called the Mount of Transfiguration, there Jesus transfigures right in front of their eyes. And the first couple of verses in Matthew 17 says that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes lit up with a bright white light, and appeared to them on top of the Mount of Transfiguration was Moses and Elijah, And they have this conversation with Jesus. The glory of God is revealed on top of the mountain. The Shekinah of glory comes down. And now, when you pick up in verses 14, which is where we'll start our reading today, they are descending from the Mount of Transfiguration, and immediately the crowd gathers. And the Bible says that when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus And falling on his knees before him, this is what he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. My son is crazy. He's a lunatic. He's ill. Other translations call him demon-possessed. It says that he's demon-possessed and he often falls into the fire and sometimes he'll fall into the water. And I want you to see verse number 16 here and highlight this if you're reading along. He says, and I brought him to your disciples. Now, Jesus had with him three of the 12. That would leave nine. He says, y'all are up there on the mountain. You had your other disciples here. I brought my sick boy to them. But they could what? Everybody read this line on the count of three. One, two, three. They could not cure him. And this infuriated Jesus. And watch what Jesus does and what he calls the disciples. Immediately, he turns to the disciples and he rebukes them. He corrects them. He disciplines them and he says, you bunch of unbelieving and you perverted generation. Now, if you've got margins in your Bible or you are taking notes, let me define uh, these two descriptions that Jesus calls those individuals. He calls them unbelieving because he's saying, you you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough God in you. You don't believe enough in me. You, you are unbelieving. You have, you have little faith. And then he continues and he says, and you are perverted. Meaning not only do you not have enough God, but you have way too much of the world. And let me just pause right here to tell you that if you don't get anything else from this message today, we need to be more like God and less like the world. Come on, somebody say amen to that. God's standard is holiness And our heart should be to be more like God, less like the world. And he says, you bunch of unbelieving and you perverted generation, how long am I going to be with you? And how long do I have to put up with you? And now he turns his attention to the boy. And the boy comes and the Bible says that Jesus rebuked him. He doesn't rebuke the boy, he rebukes the demon within the boy. And the demon came out of him and the boy was cured at once. Now the disciples, I mean, obviously they're embarrassed, right? They're humiliated. They can't believe that, you know, Jesus would rebuke them publicly. So they pull Jesus to the side privately and they ask him this question. They position this question and they say, so why was it that we couldn't drive out the demon? And here's what he said. He said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. And truly I say to you that if you would just have faith the size of a mustard seed, You will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. And then here's the verse, verse number 21, and I shared this with you last week, but in some of the modern translations of the Bible, 
verse number 21 is omitted. It's omitted in the, in the newer translations because they didn't understand or couldn't determine the accuracy or the validity of this verse in the original manuscript. But there is enough evidence and there is enough validity. That's why in the older translations, you'll see verse number 21 written. Look at verse number 21. He says, there are some kinds of miracles, and this one in particular only happens by these two disciplines, by prayer and by fasting. By a show of hands, how many of you have a miracle that you need in your life? Come on, both campuses online, you got a miracle of some kind. Some miracles can only come through your willingness to practice the disciplines of prayer and fasting. And here's the thought here. You and I will never be able to do publicly what Jesus did publicly until we are willing and desperate to do what Jesus did privately. Come on, church. If we need a miracle and we desire to see a miracle, perhaps the reason, and I'm not trying to condemn you, I'm not preaching down to you. If I'm preaching to anybody already, I'm preaching to me. The reason maybe that we don't see the miracles that we desire to see or the miracles that we want to see, maybe it's because we're unwilling to do what Jesus did privately. And there has to come a moment in our lives and in our faith journey where we make a commitment to say, all right, if we want to see, if we want to see the glory of God revealed, we want to see the power of God fall, which can I remind you that Jesus said that for us, sons and daughters, those who are in the faith, that we would do even greater things. So you and I, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we have the power to cast out demons and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Give me a hundred people that got faith to say amen right there. But maybe we don't see those things happen because we're, caught, we're too perverted. We're too connected to the things of the world. That's a challenging word for you. It's also a challenging word for me. Some miracles only happen by prayer and fasting. Watch this. Through the discipline of prayer, this is how we get connected to God. If you missed last Sunday, go back online and please listen for a few minutes. And if you don't like how I look, just listen to the audio. But get that word. Come on. I told you that prayer is a spiritual conversation. It's you talking to God and God talking to you. And prayer is what literally plugs us into the power of God. But fasting is what disconnects us from the perversion of this world. And this is a perverted world. There's a lot of sin and the enemy is just running wild. And if we're not careful, we will allow garbage and trash and the sin of this world to connect to us. And if we're really not careful, we'll even become blind to how perverted and dirty we actually are. So prayer connects us to God, but it's fasting that will disconnect us from the world. How many of you believe that God can work a miracle? Come on, how many of you believe that? All right. Because I'm going to teach you these four questions, and i got 30 minutes. And if I can do it, he is a miracle-working God. Come on now. We're going to talk about what is biblical fasting. Why should I fast? How should I fast? And then when should I fast? Let's try to walk through these four questions together in the time that we've got left. What, what is biblical fasting? And, and I, I went back later on in my sermon preparation and in my prayer time, and I inserted the word biblical. So it's not just what is fasting, but I really want to define for you what biblical fasting is because two thoughts come into my mind. There are a ton of people that fast because of the health benefits of it. I mean, people fast often because if you study fasting in itself, 
for health reasons, you'll see how, it, how you, can, you can lose some weight. Any time that I put on a few pounds and I want to lose a few pounds, I always go into intermittent fasting. It, it helps your heart. It lowers blood pressure. There's all kinds of, of reasons why you should fast on the physical side. And also other religions practice the discipline of fasting. I mean, I think about uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and, and even Muslims. They, they have a month of Ramadan where they'll set aside to practice the discipline of fasting. So that's why what's important here is that you don't just practice fasting, but you know what biblical fasting means. That we're not just doing this for the benefits of our health, although there are benefits of that. And also other world religions can fast to draw closer to their God. But can I use some bad grammar here but give you good preaching? There ain't no God like our God. Come on. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when you want to draw closer to him, fasting is a great way. So let me give you a working definition here of what biblical fasting is. In the Old Testament, literally the word fasting meant to close your mouth. Close your mouth. In the New Testament, the word fasting literally means to not eat. So if you put the two together, here we go, watch this. Close your mouth and don't eat. Come on. So what is biblical fasting? Biblical fasting is whenever you decide to give up something. And I'll, I'll unpack this here in a moment if you'll allow me the time. But typically that's something that you're going to give up is food. There's other things that you can fast. And I'll show you that list later on in this conversation. But primarily biblical fasting over and over again You'll see that in order to really get close to God, that something is food. And you're going to give up something for a period of time. And the reason you're giving that up is why? So that you can disconnect from the world and you can connect to God. So all of your focus, all of your thoughts, all of your attention, all of your devotion, all of that now is, is towards God. So I'm giving up something and now I'm taking that time that I would normally be committed to doing that, that thing, that meal, that activity, that time on social media, or whatever it is that you decide to give up through the discipline of fasting. Now I'm going to set aside that time, and I'm going to focus my heart, my thoughts, my attention, and my devotion towards God. Now here's something I think you know, but I want to make sure you do. When you read the Bible, nowhere in Scripture is the discipline of fasting commanded by God. So it's not one of the commandments where God says, thou shalt fast. But there are innumerous examples in all of Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And I, I see biblical personalities and individuals that exemplified the discipline of fasting over and over again. As a matter of fact, watch this, 75 times, 75 times from Genesis to Revelation, the discipline of fasting is discussed in the scripture. How many of you know if God puts it in his holy word one time, it's significant? But 75 times? Now my fancy little TV screen won't allow me to show you all 75 times, but let me show you a few examples here. Before God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the Bible says that Moses fasted. You have David, who eventually became King David, and then wrote a good majority of, of the psalm as Psalmist David. When David was mourning and grieving the loss of one of his children, the Bible says that he entered into a time of biblical fasting. Elijah, 
who's on the run from Jezebel. Jezebel's after him to kill him. The Bible talks about that Elijah withdrew and fasted to be protected from the attack of his enemy. Queen Esther, she fasted over the protection of the Jewish people. Daniel, who I'll tell you more specifically about the Daniel fast later on, but Daniel, when he was taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar, the Bible talks about how he fasted very specifically for his prayers to be answered. The Bible talks about Anna. Anna was 84 years of age, and Scripture tells that she never left the temple courts, that she stayed in the disciplines of prayer and fasting. If you read Acts chapter 9, you see the conversion experience of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. The power of God falls. Paul is out murdering Christians. He's killing Christians. And not, not like uh, figuratively, literally. He's murdering Christians. And the power of God falls on the road to Damascus. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9 that he's blind for three days and then finish the verse. And for three days he didn't drink and he didn't eat. Immediately after his conversion he went into a season of fasting. And then of all of the examples, there ain't no example greater than the example of Jesus. And for 40 days and 40 nights, the Spirit led him into the wilderness where he was going to be tempted by the enemy. Anybody ever been tempted by the enemy? Come on, hold your hand up. If you didn't hold your hand up, you were tempted to lie. Come on, somebody. <laughs> for 40 days and 40 nights, he's fasting and in prayer. And I don't know if you ever read the Bible and you find any humor or comedy, but I read that earlier this week and it just made me laugh so much. It says, for 40 days and for 40 nights he fasted. And then the very next words, it doesn't say, and the fire of God fell or heaven came to earth or miracles took place. It said, and he was hungry. Come on, somebody. <laughs> How many of you know that? Like when you fast, he's like, I'm sure Jesus was like, man, is there a Taco Bell anywhere around this wilderness right now? For 40 days and for 40 nights. So although the Bible doesn't command us to fast, there are so many wonderful examples of the benefits of practicing this spiritual discipline. And I want to talk about some of those as, as to why you should fast. What, why would I fast? And maybe you're thinking, well, if God's not going to command me to fast, you know, what's the point in doing it? Why, why should I do it? I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you six reasons here as to why you and I should fast. And I'm going to look at all of them from this Old Testament writing in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 58. Now Isaiah is a prophet. And God instructs Isaiah to discipline the people of Israel for their improper fasting. God gives Isaiah a rebuke to share with the people. Because their desire to fast had disingenuous motives. They were unhealthy motives. They were selfish motives. And God said, listen, I want you to rebuke them because that kind of fasting that they're doing, there's going to be no fruit, not physical fruit, but spiritual fruit. There will be nothing to show for that. And let me tell you this. I'll share with you some personal things along the way, but I don't want to go through these 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I don't want to cultivate these disciplines of prayer and fasting in my own life only to find out that I've been doing it wrong, that my heart has been impure or my approach has been disingenuous. Like, and I want you to see this in, in chapter 58, verse number six. Watch this, and I highlighted it in yellow. Watch what God says. He says, this is the kind of fasting that I want. 
I don't know about you, but when I read that, that gets my attention. And I don't want to say that there is a formula here. Because the moment that you and I think that we figured out a formula, God changes the, the formula. Does that make sense? But there is a way that when you enter into these disciplines, that you can do so with a model or a structure to maintain the purity and the integrity of your prayer life and your fast life, and also to make sure that you are connecting to God and disconnecting from the world. So this is what God says. He says, the kind of fasting that I want is this. And I hope we can do this. It's verse 6, 7, 8, and 9. Do you think at all of our locations we could read this together? All right, let's read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The kind of fasting I want is this. Remove the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice and let the oppressed go free. Share your food with the hungry and open your homes to the homeless poor. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear and do not refuse to help your own relatives. Then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun, and your wounds will be quickly healed. I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you on every side. And when you pray, I will answer you. And when you call to me, I will respond. Can you put your hands together and thank God for his word? Come on, thank God for his promises here. All right, take some notes. You ready? I'm going to give you six reasons. And good Lord willing, I'm going to preach a couple of them because I feel fire in my bones with some of these. Watch the six reasons why you and I should fast. The first one is this. We can fast for freedom. For freedom. Can I tell you that God sent Jesus to this world so that you could be free from your life of sin? So that you could be free from your bondage, so that you could be free from your addiction, so that you could be free from every stronghold in your life. Now, some of these bondages and some of these addictions, they may not necessarily be like heaven and hell stuff. And I don't want to get into the theology of all of that, but I don't know if you smoking a cigarette is going to send you to hell. I don't know. But I do know this, that God came to give you life and life more abundantly, and the enemy wants to use every stronghold and every bondage to keep you bound and to keep you locked up in prison. But John 8, 36 says this, for whom the Son set free is free indeed. Come on. So Jesus says this. He says that the thief comes, John 10, 10, to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, to have it more abundantly. So listen to me for a moment. Lean in here. You have the authority and the power to fast for your freedom. Now let me tell you what that means for me. It also means that I can take authority through the discipline of fasting and pull down every single generational curse that's tried to attach itself to my family. For years and years, the enemy has attached the stronghold and addiction of alcoholism to the worldly household. But when I got saved and I entered into the discipline of prayer and fasting, that stronghold has been broken in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on. Verse number 6 says this, to loose the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice. What sin has attached itself to your life? What stronghold has gripped you? Now, some of those may be known to others, but some of them only you know that you're walking through and you're dealing with. There are some things in my life. Don't ever think I stand up here acting like I've figured it all out and I'm perfect. 
All of us have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. And in these 21 days, there are some things that I'm asking God to break off of me. Because at the end of the 21 days, I want to be different. I want to be transformed. Come on. In the image of Christ Jesus. Are you with me yet? Come on. So I'm asking God, God, as I, as I pray, as I fast, I'm fasting to be free. And I don't only want to be free, but I want my household to be free. I want my children to be free. And I want my children's children to be free. And every stronghold shall be broken. Every bondage must bow down. Come on and give Jesus the highest praise. Come on. So we fast for freedom. The second reason that you and I can fast is for this, so that lost people can be saved. Here's what the Bible says. You just read this, that the oppressed must be let go free. That word oppressed right there can mean broken. So God, as we fast, I'm asking you to mend the broken hearts. To mend the broken relationship between God and man. Now listen to me, because I want to make sure you understand this. Your fasting for an individual does not guarantee their salvation. Salvation only happens by grace through faith. That individual must confess their sin, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, turn from their lifestyle, and commit their heart to the Lord. But in my 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're doing right now, and every time I go into the discipline of fasting, on my prayer priority list are the names of people in my family that they need a relationship with the Lord. By a show of hands, how many of you got somebody you love that they just need the Lord in their life? Come on, in the name of Jesus. My prayer when I fast is this, is that the Holy Spirit would move and conviction would arrest the heart of those individuals and they would repent of their wicked ways and they would say yes to a relationship with Christ. So when you fast, you can fast so that those that are lost can be saved. Come on, church. Let the oppressed, somebody shout, go free. Here's another reason. I fast not only for lost people to be found and saved, but I fast so that I can meet the needs of others. Let me read these verses to you and then unpack this thought. Share your food with the hungry. Open your homes to the homeless poor. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear. Don't refuse to help your own relatives. Hello. I just had this thought in preparation of this morning, but as we're journeying through these dis this discipline of fasting, there are some things that you're laying down. Some of those things have an actual financial figure attached to them. I know some people that are fasting Starbucks. Come on, that's going to save you some money. Other people are fasting, you know, a food. That's going to save you some money. So my thought is this, is that if you're fasting a meal or you're fasting consecutive meals, you could then take those meals and offer it to those who, who are hungry. If you're fasting, you could take the money that you save from that fast and be a blessing to somebody that needs something. Some of you, you need to adopt the idea of I'm not going to buy anything new in 2022. Come on now. Clean out your closet, fast buying new things, clean out your closet and watch this and give those clothes to people that have nothing to wear. You can fast to meet the needs of others. And you don't need me to say this to you. Come on, church. It doesn't matter if we've got a campus in the greater Washington, D.C. area 
or on the south metro side of Atlanta where tomorrow night the Georgia Bulldogs will become national champions. Come on now, by faith. It doesn't matter where you live. There, there are needs all over this world. And it's not hard for you to find people that are in need. You heard me, right? We're looking for people that are in need, not just needy people. So when you fast, you can fast to meet the needs of others. Let me give you a couple more. I fast for favor. Hello. Verse number 8 says this, then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun. Can I just tell you something? I want to walk in the favor of God. Big favor, small favor, I'll take all of his favor. Favor is just the kindness of God, the blessings of God, the goodness of God. Favor is the grace of God. If you've said yes to Jesus, you've already experienced God's favor through his grace and through his mercy. But can I tell you that God's favor is what opens up the doors of opportunity? I don't know if you've ever had that experience before where supernaturally something just happened and you wonder why it happened and how it happened. It's not by your might nor by your power, but by his spirit, by the favor of God opening up doors. And I hope that happens. As you commit yourself to the discipline of fasting, I speak promotion in your job. Come on. I speak increase of business in your job. I hope you get money unexpectedly on Venmo, Cash App, and checks in the mail. Come on, somebody. That is the favor of God. And don't discount any of the favor of God, whether it's the big things or even the little things. Like when you go to Walmart and you get a checkout line with nobody in it. Come on, somebody. That's favor. When you pull into the grocery store and you get a front row parking spot and you don't have to walk very far. That is the favor of God. And every day we pray this, don't we? Every day we pray that my family would walk in wisdom, favor, grace, mercy, protection, and healing. Come on, somebody. I want to live in the favor of God. And can I tell you, I think I'm God's favorite. I really do. I'm not going to tell you all of the things that's happened just this week. But, man, we're nine days in to prayer and fasting. And God, I'm not just saying this. God has placed favor on our family and it has been so bright, it's shining like the morning sun. I'll give you one story here. The other day, I had gotten home from the office. And, you know, we were just a few days into the fasting. And, you know, I'm just, my, my body's processing and detoxing and a little bit hangry. Come on, somebody. But I was committed. We're going we're to go 21 days here, me and Jesus. And I get home, I told Kim, I said, I'm just going to lay down. I'm going to go to sleep. I'll see you in the morning. And my phone dings. There's a text message from an individual that attends our South Metro Atlanta campus. And here's what he said. He said, get your son and come to Chick-fil-A. I already felt God's favor. Come on, somebody. I wasn't eating, but I felt God's favor then. And he said, Will Smith is here. Now, just so you know, it's not the fresh Prince of Bel-Air Will Smith. It's the pitcher for the Atlanta Braves Will Smith. Although I would have gone to see the fresh prince. Come on, I'm going to say that. Because I also was born in West Philadelphia. So I'm, no, I'm just kidding, I wasn't. That's a song. For those of you that are older, you get that reference. Got in one little fight, my mom got scared. Anyway, it doesn't matter. 
but it's Will Smith from the Atlanta Braves. And so he said, hey, come up here. Will Smith signing autographs. And Lakeland and I, we're big sports fans, big Braves fans. And so we get in the car. He takes his, we both got World Series championship sweatshirts. And we got the whole drip. Come on, somebody. From, from head to toe. He's got his World Series baseball that he got for Christmas. We walk into Chick-fil-A and the lady standing at the door, she says, I'm sorry, but this is a ticketed event. Do you have a ticket? Now, I got my son there, and I'm like, oh, this is humiliating. And I said, you know what? I, I don't have a ticket. And then she said, wait a minute. You're Pastor JC. And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. She says, Pastor JC, you and your son, you don't need a ticket. And I said, no, we don't. She said, but there is a line, and you're going to have to wait in the line. And I thought, that's fine. I'm not above waiting in a line. True story, isn't it, son, who's on, my, on the front row? We turn to go in the line, and another lady says, Pastor JC, you don't have to wait in the line. <laughs> my God. We walk up to Will Smith. We start talking about baseball. And the individuals that were taking photography of the whole event, they attend this campus. And one of them said, Pastor JC, you and your son take all the time you need we determine the flow of people in and out here. And I told Lake Zite, you get every pitching lesson that you can get. You get his phone number, his email. Favor. And let me tell you something. Favor ain't fair. It's reserved for those who seek God with their whole heart. Come on and give Jesus the praise. Come on. Oh, come on. If you're going to clap, clap like you want the favor of God. Come on. Will Smith, come on out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm done. No, there might be a slight restraining order, but we enjoyed our time. No. Let me give you a couple more here in our closing. I fast for healing. 1 Peter 2, 24, by your stripes we are made well, we are healed. And I don't know how long you've been attending Go Church, but can I tell you we're that kind of folk. We're the kind of folk that believes we serve a God that is in the miracle business, the healing business. We believe in doctors and nurses and medication and hospitals, and we thank the Lord for all of them. But there is the great physician, and we believe that he is able to heal. What does the Bible say in verse number 8? That your wounds will be quickly healed. We believe that we can lay hands on the sick, and they can recover. We believe we can call on the elders to pray, and healing can fall. And so I'm telling you, I don't know what kind of healing you need, but we believe in physical healing emotional healing, mental healing, relationship healing, relational healing, that when we fast, we can fast. Now, if it's a medical issue, talk to the counsel of your doctors and all of that. But listen to me. You can fast for healing, for healing. As a matter of fact, in the name of Jesus, for those who need a healing touch, I pray the Spirit of God would move and that you would just provide According to your word and will, Lord, a healing for your people. And as they enter into the season of fasting, God, may you reward them and may their wounds be quickly healed in mind, in body, in marriage, in family, in finances, in sickness, whatever it may be. You are a God that heals. So increase our faith to believe that you can do it. And let me give you one more thought here. We can also fast for protection. The spiritual discipline of fasting gives us the greatest protection plan provided. 
And it is the protection that is promised by God. What does he say here in verses 8 and 9? I will always be with you to save you. And my presence will what? Protect you on every side. And when you pray, I will answer you. And when you call to me, I will respond. Can I tell you that the Lord will protect you, protect your family, a huge, huge priority of prayer on my list during these 21 days of prayer and fasting is for God's protecting hand over my family and children. That God would watch over us and protect us. That literally, watch this, that when I walk in alignment with God, that he puts his angels to surround us. Angels unaware, watching over us, going before us, beside us, behind us. What does he say here? He says, I will protect you on the left side. No. On the right side. No. On what side? Every side. Every night we keep open in our home. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress and my God whom will I trust. For it is he who will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and the trap of the enemy. He will cover you with his feathers. Come on. And under his wings you will find his refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not be afraid of the terror, terror by night or the arrow that flies by midday. At your side, thousands may fall, but it will not come near you, declares the Lord. There is a protection plan from heaven to cover you and to guard you. Anybody receiving anything from this today? Come on. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I'm out of time. Let me give you these really fast. So how do you do it? How do you do it? All kinds of different ways that you can fast something. You give me three more minutes. Can I get three? One of the ways you can fast is an absolute fast, an absolute fast. For a period of time, you're not going to have any food, you're not going to have anything to drink of any kind. If you go into an absolute fast, you make sure that God spoke to you to do this one. The Holy Spirit spoke to you and that you talked to doctors and those in the medical field to make sure, because some of you take medication and you need food. But there are times that God calls us to an absolute fast to say for a period of time, this can be for a meal or multiple meals, consecutive days, where absolutely no food and nothing to drink of any kind. Then there is a complete fast. And this is where I'm going to abstain from all food and drink, except I'm going to have some water. Or, or maybe some juice to supplement the vitamin deficiency here. But this is a difference because in absolute fast, there's nothing to eat, nothing to drink. Complete fast, nothing to eat, but you are going to supplement your body with water and maybe some juices here. And again, this is for a period of time, whether that's a day, three days, three weeks, whatever that looks like for you. Then there is a partial fast. The partial fast is literally like from sunup until sundown. And so in this partial fast, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up whatever it is. I'm gonna give up something to draw all of my attention to you, all of my focus, all of my devotion. And so from the time the sun rises until the time the sun sets, that's why it's called a partial fast, 
I'm laying this down so that I can grow deeper in you. A very familiar fast in the Christian faith is the Daniel fast. So again, when Nebuchadnezzar took Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for 21 days, Daniel, upon his request, asked that he not have any choice meats, no choice wines, no soaps, no, no lotions, that he was going to eat all organic. So all of the other kings and military men, they were eating Burger King and McDonald's. Come on. But at the end of the, at the, end of the Daniel fast, it was evident who was stronger, who had clearer thinking, who had greater skills. So there, there's something to this fast that for a season, you're going to abstain from particular kinds of foods. You can go online and look at the, the Daniel fast. Then there's this, and I want to talk about this for just a second here, and then I'll pray for you. You can fast TV. You can fast movies. You can fast social media. I like to say this a lot because it's kind of catchy, but it's true. Man, I, I think we ought to get off Facebook and get our face in his book. Come on. We can get rid of secular music, especially those of y'all listening to the country. You talk about depressing. You know what they say, and you listen to a country song backwards, you get your dog back, your trailer back, you get your wife back. Come on. It's a little joke. You can fast sugars and sweets, video games. But I do want to say this to you, that some of these that you want to fast, and I know God will honor that, but some of you, you just need to quit doing all together. We can live without all of these things. You can't live without food and water. So I, this is my prayer, that if you're going to lay some of these down, go for it. God's going to bless you. That is a sacrifice. But at the end of your fasting time, don't go back into the same bad habits that you started the fast with around these areas. Ask God, where can I cut these things out either significantly or altogether? Does that make sense? All right. And I just pray that the Lord really challenge and convict your heart here. This is where I want to confront you a little bit. Don't fast something that's easy. I'm going to owe London $5 because every time I use a story, I got to pay my kids, right, for the content. She came in the room the other day and she said, Dad, I'm fasting too. She's six years old. I said, sweetie, you are? She said, yep. I said, baby, what are you fasting? She said, I'm fasting the doctor's office. <laughs> and I said, well, so am I, baby, so am I. <laughs> Fast something that's a sacrifice and a cost to you and God will bless you. And then when should you do it? And then I'll pray anytime you feel the need to connect with God and disconnect from the world. You don't just need me to declare 21 days of prayer and fasting to do this. Anytime that your faith is little, unbelieving, and you're too connected to the world, perverted, then you can lay down your life, lay down your pride, sacrifice, enter into these disciplines, and God will bless you. I'm over time. I apologize. Here's the final thought, and I'll pray. So what did the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today? What did he say to you? And what next step do you need to take in your faith journey? Every head bowed, every eye closed, Germantown online in this room. Come on. What did the Holy Spirit say? And what next step do you need to take? Come on, maybe it's to read the Bible. Maybe it's to pray. Maybe it's to try this fasting thing. Maybe it's to show up to Deeper 21. Maybe it's to have a conversation with somebody. Maybe it's to stop by next step and get in the game, serving, using your gifts. Maybe it's, I want to be baptized in water. Maybe it's, man, I need to set up a counseling session. 
Maybe it's this, maybe, you know what, I need the Lord. As a matter of fact, let me pray for that. If you're in this room, online, at our Germantown location, if you've not said yes to Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe at one time you did, but now there's just this separation, you've drifted from God, but you wanna come back to God, no time like now, only nine days into this new year. If that's you, I'm counting three hands up. If you just need to recommit or commit your life to Christ, one, two, three, come on, hands up, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm scanning your right, my left. Come on, anybody over here, thank you. All the way in the back, thank you. I know hands up online, Germantown, Jesus, every hand that was lifted, I pray that they would ask you into their heart to forgive them of their sin, to make them a new person. Wash us clean, Lord, by the blood of the Lamb, and let us all grow deeper in you. At the end of this message, now I'm done, Touch our heart in a convicting way for every one of us, regardless of how long we've been in the faith, for a few seconds or for a few years, to take a next step in this faith journey. If we want a different year than last year, we got to do some different things. So challenge us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. If you love the Lord, come on, put your hands together, church family. God bless you, Germantown. All right, stay seated, hands lifted though. All right, let's worship together for a moment and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you, Lord. All my life, Thank you, Jesus. you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I can make, oh, oh I will sing the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so you, maybe you raise your hand to give your heart to the Lord. I want you to stop by next steps. Let them know the decision that you made. We'd love to celebrate that with you. Hey, if you see a, if you see a staff member in the hallway, let them know. Uh, we just love to celebrate that. I think that's one of the best things you could do to start a new year off is, you know, just giving your heart. Talk about changing your year. Talk about changing your life. I mean, it's just an incredible thing to do. And so would you stand with me? And while you're standing, I'm going to ask our prayer team to make their way down front. Maybe you didn't get a chance to pray with someone during that mid-gathering prayer point. Uh, this team makes themselves available every single week so that you can pray with them and they can pray with you. And they just would love to do that today. So feel free to do that after the gathering. You can come down here and pray with them. Uh, if you don't mind carrying your conversations kind of out into the lobby that allows us to sanitize this room and get it ready to go for the next gathering. But let me read the vision statement of this house together uh, today. And that's this, to love anyone from anywhere into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I love you, Go Church, and I can't wait to see you back next week. Your goodness is running after, it's running after.